As we start a brand new year together, I begin my first sermon of 2022 with these words. I wish you joy. Joy for today, joy for the upcoming year, joy for all your days. Maya Angelou said it this way, when you wish someone joy, you wish peace, love, prosperity, health, happiness, all the good things. And that is what I wish for you, a joy that encompasses all the good things. But I'd like for that blessing to be more than just wishful thinking, for it also to be practical and attainable. And that's why, to start out this new year, for the next four weeks, we will be learning practical insights on joy from the book of Philippians, widely regarded as the most joyful book in the Bible. Paul uses the word joy more times in this letter to the Philippian church than in any other of his letters. And the word rejoice occurs more times in this book than any other book in the entire New Testament. And that's surprising, given how unjoyful his circumstances were when he wrote it. He wrote his most joyful letter while imprisoned. Now, there have been a number of theories over the centuries about where he was imprisoned and what he did to be sentenced there. One of the prevailing theories is that his imprisonment was based on what happened in the very last chapters of the book of Acts, in which he was arrested for preaching the gospel in the Jerusalem temple in Acts 21. And after being tried and sentenced by both Jewish and Roman authorities, he wound up under house arrest in Rome in the last chapter of Acts. And it was here, in the most unjoyful of circumstances, that Paul was able to both experience and teach practical lessons on joy to the Christians in the city of Philippi. You may find joy in short supply for yourself these days. You, you may feel imprisoned or stuck or in a drought or, or whatever word you want to use to describe the joyless state of your soul today. And if that's the case, then these next four weeks come at a perfect time for you. For my wish for you and for me at the start of this year is joy. It's not just that you might feel joy or experience joy, but that your life may be a life of joy. May joy be more than a feeling, but a way of being and an orientation toward life. To say that joy is simply a feeling is to limit our understanding of joy, because in fact, joy encompasses a range of feelings. I like how author Doug Abrams calls it a kingdom of emotions, which include happiness, gratitude, contentment, pride, relief, pleasure, and wonder. These are all very different emotions, but put together, they comprise only certain dimensions of joy. And Doug Abrams should know, because he is the one who had the enviable task in April of 2015 of interviewing two of the foremost experts on joy from a spiritual perspective. The first was the Dalai Lama, spiritual leader of Tibetan Buddhism, who has spent more than 50 years in political exile in India while advocating for the welfare of Tibetans with China. And the other is the late, great Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who championed equality and justice for the people of South Africa during their long, arduous journey through apartheid and who died just this past weekend. Their conversation on the nature of joy became the substance of Doug Abrams' book, 
The Book of Joy, a bestseller that many of you have read and one of my favorite books of the past 10 years. These two people, by every measure, could have justified a life full of resentment or fear or despair. Yet just like the Apostle Paul discovered, they discovered a pathway toward joy as a state of being and not just a feeling. It is a state of being that can come not from the avoidance of hardship, but as a result of it. Desmond Tutu said in the book, quote, discovering more joy does not, I'm sorry to say, save us from the inevitability of hardship and heartbreak. In fact, we may cry more easily, but we will laugh more easily too. Perhaps we are just more alive, yet as we discover more joy, we can face suffering in a way that ennobles rather than embitters, he said. We have hardship without becoming hard. We have heartbreak without being broken. These two men have known more hardship and suffering within themselves and their fellow human beings than most will ever know. Yet somehow, they've been able to discover a joy that lasts, a state of being that is independent of circumstance. It's the same conclusion Paul came to. In what is probably the most famous verse Paul ever wrote, he says in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And how is it? that Paul and Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama all believe that this kind of joy is possible in our lives, it is from this very first principle that we should learn as we start this new series together. Joy takes time, and God will help us develop that joy over the long haul. Throughout this Philippian series, we invite you to commit a different verse to memory each week and today I can think of no more powerful verse in chapter 1 than verse 6, which reminds us that God is at work in your life over the long haul. Paul said, quote, I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Paul said this with confidence and conviction. Now, you may have doubts about your circumstances and your life and your ability to navigate your challenges, but Paul said we can be absolutely confident that God, who created you and started something good in you, will never give up on you and will bring your life to its fullest, most joyful completion. God is not going to give up on creating this kind of resilient, steady, and joyful way of being in you. The Dalai Lama called this lifelong process building up your mental immunity, likening it to the way our bodies learn to ward off disease. Just like we build up physical immunity through diet and exercise, vaccinations and vitamins and good nutrition and adequate sleep, we can learn to develop a mental immunity to many of the non-physical, even spiritual struggles that we face. That is the project of transformation that God is committed to seeing through to completion in you. Mental immunity 
involves exercising and strengthening the mental muscles that will allow us to see hardship for the opportunity that it brings us, rather than simply for the pain that it causes us. As the adage goes, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. The Dalai Lama said, quote, anguish and sadness in many ways are things you cannot control. They happen. Supposing someone hits you, he said, the pain causes an anguish in you and an anger, and you might want to retaliate. But as you grow in the spiritual life, he said, whether as a Buddhist or a Christian or any other tradition, you are able to accept anything that happens to you. You accept it not as the result of your being sinful, that you are blameworthy because of what has happened. It's part of the warp and woof of life, he said. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. There are going to be frustrations in life. The question is not, how do I escape? It is, how can I use this as something positive? Learning to flex those mental muscles and build mental immunity takes time. But God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in you. In the book of Joy, Douglas Abrams told a story of how he learned that perspective really matters when it comes to how hardship might affect you. He and his wife and young son were on a flight from California on their way to a vacation in Hawaii when the pilot had to turn around midair and return back to the airport. They had to spend the whole day waiting for another airplane, so they tried to make the best of it by taking their son to the local zoo. But all the while, Abrams kept fuming that their well-deserved and long-awaited vacation to Hawaii was delayed by a whole day. And when they got back to the airport to catch the rescheduled flight, he overheard a pilot telling the crew what had happened to their original plane. Apparently, one of the bolts had come loose from one of the engines. And had the pilot not quickly shut off the engine the moment that he did and skillfully guide the plane back to the airport, the engine would have sheared off the plane and crashed into the ocean. Abrams writes in the book, Suddenly, a delayed flight and a day at the zoo didn't sound so bad after all. Now, cultivating this kind of perspective is a key to a joyous state of being. It takes time. Suffering can be our teacher, and God will be faithful to complete that process in us, according to Paul. But we do have to cooperate with God in that process. Desmond Tutu said, I think it takes time to learn to be laid back. You know, it's not something that just comes ready-made for you, he said. No one, no one ought to feel annoyed with themselves. It just adds to the frustration. I mean, we are human beings, he said, fallible human beings. It's like muscles that have to be exercised to be strong. Sometimes we get too angry with ourselves, thinking that we ought to be perfect from the word go, he said. But this being on earth is a time for us to learn to be good, to learn to be more loving, to learn to be more compassionate. And you learn not theoretically, you learn when something happens which tests you, he said. We get very angry with ourselves. We think we ought to be supermen and superwomen from the start. And Desmond Tutu then reminded the reader, 
the Dalai Lama's serenity didn't come fully formed. It was through the practice of prayer and meditation that the gentleness and the compassion grew, his being patient and accepting within reasonable limits. And he concludes this, accept circumstances as they are, because if there are circumstances that you cannot change, then it's no use beating your head against a brick wall. That just gives you a headache. This is a veil of growth and development. And then I love his last line. You are made for perfection, but you are not yet perfect. You are a masterpiece in the making. So take heart, friends. God is not finished with you yet. And you can be confident of this very thing, that God, who began a good work in you, will be faithful to complete it in you until the day of Christ Jesus. You are not yet perfect, but God is working on it. You are a masterpiece in the making. Let us pray. God, thank you for your grace, which is always at work in our lives, smoothing out our imperfections and enabling us to act and react to all that happens to us. Cultivate within us a steady resilience so that we can learn to see suffering as our teacher and hardship for the opportunities that it brings. Thank you that you who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it in us. In Jesus' name, amen.